Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. You must listen to the open loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit. Open loops. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. Conversations that bend. This is a talk show late night for your unconscious mind. That's right, because what is an open loop? Well, I'll get to that in a second. You see, I'm what you might consider an auteur of the mind, a curator of experience, a cultural hypnotist. Put all those things together. I'm trying to make the unconscious conscious. Stimulate your mind the left and right, the inner, the outer, by bringing guests on with radically unique ideas to challenge your existing belief systems and ultimately cause that wonderful cognitive dissonance that makes you step into the highest version of yourself. Now, if you're wondering what an open loop is, well, it's what I did before. I raised a question and didn't answer it. I led you on to a cliffhanger, the proverbial dot, dot, dot. Yes, an open loop is an unconscious provocation. And of course, this show, we live in them. The things that make us go, huh? That make us want to blow our minds. Yes, anything unexplained, mystical, spiritual, magical, hypnotic, paranormal. We talk about it here. It's all fair game. And today's guest, she's got a great game. Kelly Stewart, a human behavioral expert, speaker, corporate consultant. I, 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 I feel bad. I shouldn't even be calling her these constructions right now because Kelly is a multi-potential or multi-potentialities. She does the thing where it's it's multiple, it's plural, but it's multi-potentialities Kelly Stewart. You can't label her. You can't put her in a construction. And why is that? Because she has a radical view of the world that is filled with dips and and turns. And, I mean, talking to her felt like I was on a, a theme park ride. I had no idea where we were going next. And as a matter of fact, Kelly... Uh, in addition to talking about the human source code and the hermetic principles and how animal behavior and human behavior are similar, different, tons of, tons of interesting, very mind-bending topics. 
she makes me go pretty I did this episode a while back and I've been I've been waiting for the perfect timing to release it because it, it was one of my favorites to record just because it was such a doozy of an intellectual workout. I re-listened to it and while I don't fully understand everything still, the thing I am a little shamed about is how much he tongue ties me. I I definitely struggle in this interview to be able to speak to her level, and it is quite a level. Uh, I, I do think it is transformative. I also think she is naturally gifted in hypnotic communicative abilities. I don't know if she studied hypnosis formally, but she is like a hypnotist, and it really uh, makes you think beyond traditional human psychology and and the stuff you hear at these corporate mindfulness events it's it's deeper it's more interesting kelly stewart i i have to have her on the show again because she just made me not able to talk and i love the experience I'm curious what you'll take out of it. If you enjoy the show, make sure you share it with your friends. And to keep these conversations going, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and rate and leave a review. Even a word will definitely help. Greatly appreciated. Without further ado, multi-potentialities, Kelly Stewart. Well, today on Open Loops, we have Kelly Stewart, who it's hard to give her one label, apparently, Um, at least in this bio I'm reading. You know what? Let's go with this. You're in the corporate world. You do the consultant thing. You do the business strategy thing. But the thing that intrigues me the most is human potentialist and researcher of human and animal behavior. Uh, you, Mm -hmm. you hear a lot of the human behavior specialists. You hear a lot of people looking at bodies and, and, uh, body language, but like I, there's an animal connection to you, which is peculiar to me as well as just like, you are so well studied in philosophy and metaphysics and you're, you're, you know, you're doing a lot of corporate stuff. So bringing that all together, human potential, human potentialist, Kelly Stewart, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Greg. I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to have a conversation with you. And I love the fact that uh, you're able to dive into that. I don't really subordinate to any form of labels at all in giving me like who I am because I don't like to be put into a box in, yeah. in the form that most people like to put you into those particular things. What I... happens? What happens when they do? <laughs> well, they get they get very confused by my answer sometimes and I love to look at the expression on their face to, to determine, you know, like, mm, well, that doesn't really fit my paradigm. So, and then it blows their awareness into a new space of thinking that we can actually step into a, a newer sense of potential when we open up the box, when we don't have a box that we, we actually get put into. 
we can play in multiple different fields and become like multi-potential. And for me, that's most important for my journey of life to feel fulfilled in, in that, to, to have multi-potential opportunities along the way in what my highest mission and vision is, is to understand consciousness of not only human beings but for all sentient beings on the planet so that's where i dive into the animal realm too as well and i've had some amazing opportunities with being able to do eye to eye meditations with a wild lion i've sat in a meditation with the last northern white rhinoceros on the planet sudan just before he died and got an amazing download of wisdom from him and um you know, my my journey or my mission and vision takes me into all aspects of of whatever anything that's associated to consciousness for sentient beings. Wow! 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 That is, I I know that I I was very all throughout college. I was very atheist, very non-believing in this idea of a spirit. It's not that it even was anti-God. It was that I had a perspective that I have no reason to believe in metaphysical stuff or that there is this magic in the universe. I just see nature. I've never touched this source. I don't know what this is until we got a puppy. Uh, my family got a puppy. I was home that summer and I was looking at this dog and looking at the dog's eye. And I was like, oh, there is a life force here. This is proof of God. The idea that this thing is human, that I have a little bit of a moment where, yeah, that, that, that box, I came out of it for a second. No, I'm still sitting here being the, the skeptic in me, Kelly, who always shows up in these interviews, uh, what is always, <laughs> oh, they constructed that eye to make me believe the illusion that consciousness is a thing and that there's universal consciousness and da 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 da. But at the same time, when I look into that dog, I, uh, and, and the dog is still with me now, like uh, I'm spending a lot of time with my family over this pandemic, uh, that dog does really seem to have a soul. I, I will say, I don't know what it is. I don't understand it. I couldn't point to a specific hermetic principle, which I know you dive into, that would point to <laughs> like the basis of that. But to me, that was a moment where, if anything, I caught a blink of God. When did you, Ooh. when did animals come to into your life? Why not just stay with humans? Because there is so much with human beings that could be the realm of exploring these topics? Well, uh, yeah, absolutely, of course. Uh, but I guess my transition was from animals to humans, so it's, it's oh. not actually been in that traditional format of from humans back to animals. Is uh, the early part of my life, you know, I had such a love for horses and um, so I spent a lot of time, like, with horses and uh, I'm, I'm now 51 years old, so, you know, I've had quite a lot of time to be able to live life. And, and the, the first uh, 25 years of my life, I was actually involved in uh, training horses, starting horses, breeding horses, anything to do with horses. So, you know, I grew quite a substantial business around horses and the horse industry. I started the Horsemanship Institute where I was actually training others to understand how to communicate to horses in terms of their values, right? Um, and to, to create those open, 
I love your word, like open loop communications that are mm. uh, where the animals actually understood in the true essence of what they are, not having anthropomorph- anthropomorphisms actually projected upon them from humans and expecting the, the horses to live inside their values, right? So we're, we're two inherently different species and, and uh, you know, I started to notice certain things especially when I was training horses and starting young horses, we would get a lot of problem horses sent to us. And uh, I started to notice this correlation or this patternicity that was occurring in the horses that um, they were expressing these particular behaviours. And uh, what I did notice is that while they were with us, they would actually change and become like us and become more what I call in harmony with their own nature and with the nature of us. And then after training them, we would get them back to a state of uh, equanimity or balance and then send them back home to, to the people that were, you know, own them or, you know, sometimes we had uh, police horses as well, uh, send them back home to, to their owners. And then within between four and six weeks, there would be this reversion rate that would occur that the horses then would revert back to the human way of that they were actually associating or spending time with. So once they become entangled, the horses were actually becoming the very essence of the people that they were sharing space with. So then the horses would come back with the people if they didn't get angry and say, well, that we didn't do the job, right? So I had a lot of opportunity to look at the patternicity that was occurring. Then I started to develop questioning around what was happening in the life of the human that the horse was spending time with. Mm. And what I started to notice was that the horses were expressing the repressions inside the human. And so if from a, yeah, I can see your face. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah wait a second. I'm like, let's go down this hey. rabbit hole. It's like back the truck up on this one. Um, is that in, in that, you know, I started to really think, okay, right, the, the horses don't really have a problem. It's the humans that have the issue. But when the horses become entangled in that space and time, in their frequency and vibration, they become the expression of the repressions that's inside the people, right? So because horses tend to give non-biased feedback in, in the way that they actually live their lives and, and if we want to take it back to like animal nature and we think about predator and prey, that the horses or most prey animals have a heightened sense, heightened sensitivity. And horses are known to be like quite sensitive sentient beings. And so their level of senses and their level of being able to pick up certain vibrations and frequencies is quite extensive, right? They actually can feel your thoughts or feel your perceptions. Mm. Now, um, that's demonstrable in terms of horse training is that you can actually think about stopping and the horse will stop before you actually give the command because it's already picked up on your perception of you actually thinking that. So in real time, you know, I've been able to demonstrate that multitude of different times. So I started to question, you know, like what is the essence of that and what is the communication that is creating the horse to express the repressions. And, and um, so in the essence of like Rupert Sheldrake's work, you know, in the morphogenic energy fields or the morphic fields is that there is a resonance and vibration that's occurring. And then we can look at um, 
like quantum holographics and um, and how and the, the we come now into hermetic principles of the laws of correspondence and the laws of polarity. And when you become in, in the space of another being and if you're not fully conscious to the awareness of where you're imbalanced or you're unintegrated within yourself or you have stored traumas or you have stored emotions or you have suppressed emotions, it's going to be expressed outside to actually create uh, a whole a, a holistic uh, approach, you know, in terms of mm, vector dynamics in the terms of universal laws is that uh, nothing is really separated. It's only our finite mind that actually separates the inseparables, right? I hope I'm making sense here. If I still um, I'm you, sitting I here going, no, no, no. I, I, well, I just have a, I'm like sitting here going, who is her, who are her parents? <laughs> like who raised this Kelly? Because I, and, and well, you know, once you throw vector dynamics and metaphysical laws around, I'm going to sit here and go, okay, I want to know about that. Cause that just sounds kind of cool. Or at least I'm, I'm intrigued by the juxtaposition between linear structure and something that seems esoteric. Abstract. Like, yes, yes. Love that tension. It's to me, it's, it's, it's the hot stuff of these topics. What were you first? Were you were you a vet that just went on an acid trip? What is what is the Kelly Stewart story that managed to, in the matter of three sentences, jump from Rupert Sheldrake to quantum physics to hermetic laws? Like, at what point was that happening, or were you always this way? At what point you became a potentialist, and what led to that? I think I cannot even pinpoint that myself. So that that is, you know, like a an abstract question to me to be able to wow to jump into is I, I in the essence of who I am you know like I'm just a woman who has a thirst for understanding and I don't know whether it uh, definitely my parents are not in this way inclined at all and I'm the only one within my family that has kind of gone down this rabbit hole in the essence of we can say like abstraction in terms of universal constructs or metaphysics or whatever you want to label it um yeah i guess when did abstraction start were you abstract in high school well i i went through high school uh completely bored shitless to be honest you know (laughs) i I think i was like that too (laughs) i found the information was you know like i'd be dreaming out the window instead of actually like doing the work and i got labeled uh, uh, at a young age that I was inattentive and did not apply myself. And when I was 15, I had the headmistress come and say to me, like, really, there's nothing here for you at school. You probably should leave, right? And I was like, well, okay, not a problem, you know. So I, yeah. dived, on, I dived on into uh, work at that stage. But from an early age, like my parents were, Uh, in the essence of teaching me to become independent and entrepreneurial, I had a dream to have a horse, you know, and I can say the horses actually started my journey. That mum said to me, if you want a horse, you're going to have to go and uh, pay for it yourself, right? And so I was like, okay, well, that's how it works. That's just what you do. So from the age of 12, I started working in a veterinary clinic directly after school, three days a week and then on weekends from the age of 12 in the basic role and then progressed up becoming a veterinary nurse. And I had an interest in animals, you know, like animals were obviously a great love. 
Um, but then I, I look back now and I can see that I was, I'm a questioner. I would question everything. I would question and challenge. I'm also a challenger. I would question and challenge. If it didn't sit right in terms of what I was thinking, I'd ask a question. So I annoyed a lot of people in trying to get information. So I was also labelled as a challenger and a nonconformist back then that I didn't fit certain realms and etc. So that was really my journey into understanding, uh, uh, you know, getting in, involved in animals. And, you know, there's a whole lot more of this along the, along the way. When I built the Horsemanship Institute, I also then went off on the journey of saying, oh, well, I'd like to learn more about um, the development of, of animals. And so I developed the Equine uh, Wellness Centre, which also had a side uh, service of advanced uh, equine artificial insemination, which involved frozen semen uh, and equine embryo transfer as well too. So I became quite proficient in the aspect of actually, you know, developing embryos and being able to, you know, pro promote life in, and create life. I was always interested, like, how do you create life? Like, how could I put these things together and I don't know, like I just went off on all these particular different aspects. But when I, what I found that I, when I did, I went really deep into researching. I went really deep into the experiential component because I've always had this knowing that, you know, I can learn from a book or I can learn from uh, a teacher, but to really have what I now know is gnosis, true knowing, is to have experience. So it's about knowledge and experience plug the two together and then you have true gnosis and um, then, you know, from there I've become a teacher. In, in oh, many, wow. Many, wow. Many wow. different aspects of things. <clears throat> yeah. 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 And I, and I, you know, I don't even remember where I had cut you off in terms of the understanding of uh, animals and, and how that connected to the original question, wherever we went, <laughs> though, I have a feeling you are constantly just kind of trapping people in trances that they're not even aware that they're going to experience, but that's what you love doing. Because I mean, look, you're, you're about the meta mind. And mm -hmm. to me, what got me interested in hypnosis was the idea idea that we have altered states of consciousness mm -hmm. that aren't just induced by drugs or drinking. The idea that our brain can go off in different ways and we can experience life and it's all within us, that to me became a pursuit of deep intellectual rigor and that I'm still in. Uh, yeah, where does this horse stuff, the empathy, and connecting it to humans, where where does the altering mind states come in for you? Mm, okay, so let me see if, if I want to answer this in a linear way or an abstract way of actually. <laughs> <laughs> Do both if you can. <laughs> I don't know what's going to be more dramatic for the podcast. You you decide. Mm, okay. Well, I guess in essence, you know, like being in connection with a horse become a meditation for me too, and to be able to. Uh, to be able to look at traditional routes of meditation where you might sit and you want to be able to quiet the mind or be coming to a state of presence is that if you get into space and time with an animal and uh, like especially riding a horse, that actually forces a state of presence and being able to have that connect connectivity in terms of the connection with another being 
it's almost like that being becomes inside of you and you go inside of it. So you're entangled not only in an altered state of um, perception, I would say, but you're also entangled in terms of form. And so then the energy and the essence of that, they become one together. Does that make sense? So yes, yes. Um, so that is, is an altered state in my perception, right? And becoming so present that you can feel the thoughts of that animal and that animal can feel the thoughts of you. And um, that is an altered state's state, state of mind in my perception. Oh, and wait, I don't even know if that was the linear answer or the, the <laughs> abstract one, which makes it even better. Um, yeah. Do you think... Here's something I was wondering because I was just speaking to someone uh, on another episode and they said to me, well, Greg, you know, mirror neurons, mm -hmm. you see somebody, you see someone up there doing uh, Martin Luther King was the example, uh, giving a speech and you recognize there's a specific trait that makes you go, that's a great speech. And then this man said, well, that means you recognize a capacity in yourself to potentially deliver something of that level, even if you're not yet. But he also used this as an example of recognizing in others the things or being annoyed by things that you're annoyed in yourself. Here's what I'm wondering. How in the world, if you're telling me you're not anthropomorphizing these horses and you're looking at where they're at without the human interference and quantum physics means that <laughs> like I'm trying to connect all these together. Not as elegantly as you did, but let's go with it. Um, and quantum physics is talking about the Heisenberg principle and that perception affects the actual, whether it's a wave or whether it's a whether it's a particle based on where the perception is. How in the world are you able to tune into horses without possibly letting your neurons and what's happening inside of you bleed over? Very good question. Very good question. And I don't think that it is an absolute possibility. It's having the awareness of that's what's actually happening, right? So being present to what your perceptions are, being present in the moment to what you're thinking and feeling. And in that, that time and space, are you able to then also be present to what the horse is thinking and to what the horse is feeling, but then to honour it in the way that it is as a being? And then the horse can come from the other side and honour you from that way as you are as a being, right? So you're not asking anything of it. You're just wanting to be able to create a harmony or partnership. And even though a lot of people may anthropomorphize and say, like, riding a horse is not natural, but, you know, like, we can still come together as beings and, like, be within the space and time, which you can say riding is, and then go in the flow of it. So that's where you blend in essence of the horse's true nature, not only in terms of its perceptions and mirroring its, its thinking and feeling is to actually like blend and mirror the way that it moves its body so you become one with it. And then, you know, we, we, entered a, we enter a flow state together. And to me, that is what I perceive is the highest form of mirror neurons actually working together into sentient beings. Oh, Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. That's very interesting. So then in terms of, you know, looking at humans, when you're, when you're looking at human beings, is there a good example of, I mean, I, I'm wondering how it transfers over the humans. Is there a way 
of uh, looking at another human, another sentient being, and looking into what they're doing without necessarily doing what happened with the horses, spending times, and then that human is taking on your trauma. What's a good example, or at least some examples of the work you've done when it does go over in the humans, and you're examining the relationships between what's happening inside of them versus how you're causing it? Ah, okay. So this is where we want to look at um, coming into like hermetic theories in terms of like um, the all within the all principle, right? So the all is mind. We are all the same. We're all a subset of tiny particles, which is just basically atomic in nature. And then we are, we are uh, all reflections of each other. But we tend to, in our finite mind of thinking, actually break us down into, or we actually like break us down into parts, which are known as traits. Now, traits have forms of expression. And then we bring in the laws of polarity and the laws of correspondence in terms of hermetic uh, philosophy is, is that just to say like uh, you and I are on this podcast together, like we're looking at each other and I am made up of subset of traits. You're made up of a subset of traits. And what is most important to me will be more conscious to the way that I'm actually drawn towards your expression. But I may label something as like, oh, I get a feeling of energy with inside of me that goes, oh, I don't particularly like that, right? Mm. Now, that, that particular feeling or that emotion that shows up is a beautiful feedback mechanism to let you know that that is something that you're negating within yourself. And so, but in terms of nature, it's still showing up in, in a holistic component or in, in um, again, like the, the all within the all, laws of correspondence, laws of polarity, is that you're playing the opposite part in that. So you're, in essence, we're still whole. Does that make sense? So you're demonstrating or you're expressing that expression of the energy of that trait that I perceive I don't have within myself. So I go, I don't do that. That's not me. It's not who I am. So then we start to label that as either uh, good or bad. And it's something we want to actually like remove ourselves from or bring into our life if we think that we, oh, I don't have that, but I want that, right? We, we have both ways of actually seeing that. But in essence of that, in understanding that we are all mirror reflections of each other in the holographic universe, which is made up of a subset of particles, atomic in nature, that we start to actually look at that it's just a form of trade expression. And then I just simply ask the question, uh, what is that person actually expressing that I don't particularly like and what is it? We give it a name or label uh, in terms of meaning what it means to us and then we go and look for it like where do we do that we do it in our form because it's not actually missing it's just unconscious to us until we actually start to actually ask the questions uh well where is that what do i do it how do i do it like in what form do i actually express that Oh, this is, this is very deep. This is very deep. Wait a minute. I'm going to have to, (laughs) if you're talking to corporate people at this level all the time, they must need like. Yeah. You know, interesting enough is that this is one of the, 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 I just finished a week long course with, with some people and they just said, you just blew my head apart. Right. Seriously. You just blew my mind and I don't know what to think anymore. I'm like, 
well, okay, perfect, because now I've actually created the void for you to actually start to actually research and look and start to ask yourself questions instead of being just uh, driven along with, oh, well, belief systems that uh, have been, let's just say, anthropomorphized upon you as such to be in a certain way, right? So do beliefs get anthropomorphized? Like, like I, or, uh, I wish I could say it. Um, anthropomorphized. Rejected is another word. Rejected. Yeah, how did it? Oh, Rejected. okay, okay. Because I was going to say, I usually associate that with, oh, look, God. Yeah, God is taking on the human. God is angry. Well, That's anthropomorphism. Well, well, let, well, let, let's look at it from, from that perspective. Like, what is God, right? And if, if I was to have 10 different people here and ask that question, there would be 10 different answers that would actually occur. And it would be based on their belief systems of how that they were, uh, you know, potentially raised as children or what, what sort of uh, way that they actually went through life at a certain stage, right? And yeah. so, so their belief systems would be directly proportional to that, right? So for me, like God is something that I uh, like to look at is universal in nature. Grand organised design, if you wanted to give it that word, is, is something that is all permeating, that is, is the construct of creation and destruction as well. And it is the universal governor of everything, right, which in to make it simple, it's just nature, you know, going back to where you first started, you know, you just looked into nature and you just saw it as nature. It is in the basis of just nature. And when I teach, I'll use that word is that, you know, it's just natural laws. It's nature in its essence. Hmm. Hmm. And, and in understanding that is to determine like what is an anthropomorphism, which means that it's a man's projection on how we should be or how we potentially should live our lives. How right. does that come from man? And or has that actually been a derivative of nature? This is why I love the hermetic principles, right? Because they are based off natural law. They are based off nature. And, yeah. yeah, I want to know about this because you know what? I, I definitely I have some, uh, you know, people that practice magic coming on the show and that sort of the when, when normally when I'm confronted with hermeticism, it's at the occult bookstore in Brooklyn. <laughs> like, yeah, But yeah, you yeah, you yeah. talk about hermeticism and you throw it around like it's something you could put next to your Gary V books. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, like I love that part. You can transform hermeticism into business like it just fits into all aspects. right? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where does that come in for you? How did it come in for you? Where does it come in for you? And are you are you getting rid of the fun, the magic by making it part of business, or does everything become more fun because of it? Oh, I think everything becomes more fun when you actually start to bring in the aspect of universal consciousness into everything, you know, because everything becomes a possibility, and mm. um, the 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 void becomes so much bigger. You know, like you want to talk about going into a black hole, like that's where you go into a black hole, right? And you know, this is where you you start to actually see everything as possibilities 
and the impossibilities actually start to diminish. The moment that I start to create an impossibility wall, I'm like, oh, okay, fuck, bring me back. You know, like where am I actually subordinating to something? Where am I not listening to universal consciousness or what what aspect of, uh, you know, the seven universal laws am I now going against in, in that? And I go, oh, yeah, that's it. So, okay, what's a possibility that's actually occurring in here? And you know, to actually go all in is, I perceive it is about how we can actually, um, how far we can actually go into relinquishing all of our attachments to all of our perceptions, all of our mm. belief systems. Are you, are you a magician? You know, I got caught a white the other day. <laughs> I don't think you're a late. <laughs> I, I hate to label you. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've interviewed several people, and it's always Australia. It's so interesting that Australia, um, UK, places that aren't America have business consultants that are talking about more esoteric concepts i'm saying esoteric and that's not even the way we say it in the united see this is this is what's happening they're talking about more esoteric things and i wonder when people seek out kelly stewart or if kelly stewart ends up in someone's boardroom how aware are they that universal consciousness is about to come into the conversation well that, that it depends who they are. And if they've been introduced to me, they've generally been referred by somebody that, you know, like if you want to have a look at something a little deeper that's actually occurring within your organisation, then uh, something that you potentially haven't experienced before, then, you know, I will get taken in, into, into that. So if you come back to, like, a, if I can just share a story of, of that. <clears throat> and... You know, I had um, some clients that actually uh, took me into a merger and acquisition to be present in in what was not being said in in uh, in the in the actual you know like the negotiation period. In um, my job was just to to sit in the corner and to observe the untruths that were being actually not said in terms of merger and acquisition by observing the, the hidden order of body language because, the, again, coming back to horses taught me so much about being present to body language in the essence of what is not being said because I just don't tell you. You have to learn that. So in that is being present to uh, when a question's thrown up and then before the answer happens, there's a certain body language that your senses actually give away. And, you know, that's where the truth actually lies because you can see that it's playing part in the polarity. And so, you know, that was just an example that I was taken into a merger and acquisition to determine, to have an overview effect. You could say it's an altered state of consciousness to be totally present to the energy and the energetics, but also the body language and the, the actual linguistics in, in what was occurring in that negotiation. You're like the smartest woman alive, I think. You might be, <laughs> you maybe might that's be. Why, maybe that's why I'm single because <laughs> like, because... I think you're a threat. I think you're a threat. I think these men, I mean, I'm threatened right now. She knows she can tell when I half squint my eyes, it means something. She knows that even right now I'm abstracting. So I'm not totally present with her as my eyes are accessing the very abstract thought that I'm trying to. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm, I'm totally looping myself right now, which is fine. But what was I going to say? I was going to say like, 
this is, yeah, to have this many disciplines coming in and to kind of be a Jedi master and to look at things energetically, but also address the body language piece. I mean, these are the disciplines of the universe. This is, why don't you have a cult? Well, I guess because it, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Like, why Would you be a cult I... leader? Is there a cult leader? Could Kelly Stewart be a cult leader? Because I think you'd well, be great. You think I would be great as a cult leader? Well, <laughs> yes. I, I guess it's not something that's actually like formed into my consciousness to become a cult leader. I don't it's, think you should. It's not a healthy thing. You're bad people <laughs> ultimately. But seriously, I mean, with, with someone with that many, you're looking at people from all different angles. Uh, would you call yourself psychic? I would say if you want to give me another label in terms of that, then we all have the ability. <laughs> we all have the ability to access this state of consciousness, which is labeled psychic. It's just a pure state of presence, and being able to tap into the field and to be able to be present with that which is all permeating. We all have the ability to do it. It's just the uh, being coming able to understand how to access that state, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Here's what I'm so, wondering. I, I don't even think it's not that I don't even think it's that you don't like being labeled. I think it's if somebody were to label what you actually were, they'd realize how powerful you are. In essence, I guess so. In essence, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you doing to me right now? This is crazy. Are you a grand <laughs> wizard master? Okay, but look, I'll try to resist the labels because no, no, uh, you you can still because that's the construct. I guess that we, as a human in our existential form, want to be able to give labels because it also gives meaning as such. So I understand that in in the essence of polarity, we must have some aspect of finiteness to our consciousness to actually be in this existential form. Because if we didn't, then we would just be all light, you know, like we would have integrated everything and we wouldn't be here. But just to, just to fuck with your head, I just wanted to actually bring that into. <laughs> oh, great. Into, into Is the, that your the, goal? The, <laughs> no, it, it's, it's kind of like my way of actually like making a point, right? So. No, no, uh, I want you to mess my head up as continue to. I, I'm, that's why you were booked on this show. <laughs> Okay. Um, in 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 that essence, it yes, uh, we come back to tritology and the way that we actually visualize or label things, which gives meaning to it, is again, you could call me a wizard, you could call me a witch, you could call me a magician. It's just a form of tritology, like it's just an expression that gives meaning to something in the expression of, of the way that somebody is acting or reacting or not doing or doing something. So, um, you know, I've been called many things, like many, many things. I should start a list actually, you know, and then I could just hold it up. You can call me any one of these things. <laughs> yeah, that, that would make the first dates better, I think, for you. <laughs> yeah, I have, have all these labels, et cetera. Um, but in essence, I'm just a I'm just a woman who has a love and a yearning for knowledge in multiple different forms to understand all the aspects of universal nature. So whatever you might find me doing at any given time is going to be directly proportionate and relational to that. You know, that's why I love my life. So I give myself permission to to go and experience all aspects of what we have to be able to have the experience of, you know, as I mentioned, when we first got on, I've been in uh, Africa and 
I had this yearning to understand the predatory components in how we as human beings uh, take on those traits and express those traits directly proportional to entrepreneurism, right? Because it's such a labelled thing out there is that, you know, we prey upon people to mm. be able to take their to take their money or to, you know, coerce them into buying our shit or whatever it is, you know. So I wanted to go in and look at that, like the finite component of predatory nature in its, in its form. I thought, well, where can I do that? Hmm, I've got Africa, you know, and what's the highest form of predator? Lions. So I went and actually went and spent some time researching lion behaviour and uh, observing uh, pride behaviour in terms of like social dynamics in, in predatory uh, species, the lions in particular, you know. So we're looking at we have herd dynamics and then we have uh, pride dynamics. We also then you link that to people dynamics, right? And you start to watch the predatory traits actually come out in terms of prey, and we can talk, we can call that link it hierarchy, right? We have the CEO, we have the manager, we have the you know um, general managers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right through to complete subordinates, right? So you start to see that in this cross correlating form in nature that shows up in business. And when you understand the base aspect of nature that is in business and you've seen it from, you know, lion behaviour and you then you start to see it in human behaviour, it's no different. It's just nature happening, right? So I, I actually took a bunch uh, of entrepreneurs into Kenya and what we did as an, as an experience was uh, owning the traits of all the predators, where you actually do those particular things, right? Like where do you kill people? Where do you actually, you know, like hunt people down in, in that form and like take their life as such, you know? And so it's if we understand Plato's theories of forms, we start to break it down into the forms of all those components that are, that are being demonstrated by a lion, might like hunt down a gazelle and then kill it and then brings the, the, the food back to the whole family to feed it, right? So it's no different. It's just changed form is that in traditional patriarchal form is that the, the husband will go to work and he'll bring home the paycheck and give it to the, the wife and feed the family. So it's just transformed into a different form. And you can really research this in some Plato's theories of forms to see that um, when, we, when we just break down the components into subsets, it's just trade expression that is actually occurring. And then we can go even deeper into a micro level. We start to actually see that um, at a cellular component, like deep within us, the same stuff's happening, right? Exactly the same stuff. And then we can go to a macro level and look at into the stars in the universe and we start to actually notice that, you know, stars consume stars, you know. They actually eat each other. Wow. 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 I now I just know you're F you're just trying to mess my mind up at this point. But um, look, uh, no, th this is really interesting in the sense where then what is the uh, this is interesting. I'm trying to figure out how this plays out in the corporate world then, because certainly you know the idea of like like a, I I have a sales background like a bit and and an acting background. I know 
competitiveness. I know people that are after roles for each other and the resources are scarce and and sales, they kind of artificially even create competitive environments so you can get just only so much things and all this stuff. And yet you're coming in, I believe, from a place of and we must seek harmony too. I feel like there's that aspect of your work for sure, but maybe I'm wrong. Do you, are you in a way trying to make things a little less predatory when you're working with businesses or do you embrace it and alchemize it into something else? Where does your work come in in terms of making it a little less dangerous and a little less, how should I put this, selfish? Okay. The, the, the beautiful thing of this is that coming back to the uh, hermetic principles, right, the all within the all, the law of correspondence, the law of polarity, and the law of cause and effect is that, and if we also look at um, from a, uh, a physics level, is that we take the basis of like a proton and a neutron, right? And I'll get to that in a minute. Is so I want to take things from an atomic level and a, and a physics level, and then um, the univ the the construct of polarity correspondence, cause and effect, all within the all. So we, if we think about those in fair exchange, you know, there's this other law that fits inside of that called the law of heuristic escalation, for, and that's directly proportionate to the law of correspondence. So for everything there is an opposite, right? So when we actually bring this into awareness and we then are able to look at uh, creating fair exchange, then that is the true essence of harmony. That is where we actually have e evolution occur. That's where we have sustainability stay. That's where we have growth opportunities, right? But if we're out of fair exchange and we break those universal laws, that's where we create entropy in businesses, right? If we become so predatory, you'll see that the volatil volatility will go up, but then what has to happen in nature? Bang, it has to fall the other way. Law of cause and effect, correspondence and polarity at play. So we want to stay within the general mean of uh, volatility and that's a place of harmony in terms of ratios, right? So in essence, if we look at that, it's like a, a, a proton and a neutron when they actually join together, they actually birth light. So then they become a boson. Now, if you look at the, what a boson is, it's an unstoppable pa uh, force particle, right? So in essence, like I link everything back to that, we want to be able to create an unstoppable force particle that actually is, is negentropic in nature. It doesn't go into entropy. It just keeps evolving, right? So we take those universal principles, we look at the way that uh, the dynamics are actually occurring, which is the law of rhythm in uh, the hermetic principles within a, a corporation or a business in terms of people dynamics. And we, we get them to understand these components. And then really the essence of business, business becomes unstoppable. Uh, whoa. Okay. Let's make this a little more. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm okay. I'm entertaining the abstract cause I will, but can we go, can we go specifically to, uh, well, I guess the negotiation 
now that I'm thinking about what was happening there, that kind of makes sense. Knowing what was unspoken kind of balances out what was actually going on. Um, that's like a very simplistic view of it. But I, but I wonder, I don't know, um, let's say, are, are you helping with bosses that are too demanding because they're a hermetic view of like yeah this my boss is an complete he's a complete jerk that energy in the office what's the kelly stewart approach dealing with that situation the tension between one higher up and a bunch of disgruntled employees what would you do there okay so you would look at the word tension right tense ions oh and boy okay <laughs> <laughs> oh thank okay. you keep going okay yeah so coming back to physics you know like the tense ions means that you know like there's a polarity that's actually occurring there and it's not in unicity with each other so um it it, it would be looking at the dynamics between like if you're calling your boss like a, a prick or something like that that you know it's it's really again coming back to what we just talked about in in the essence of your labeling something with inside that person that you haven't seen within yourself, or you have this perception that um, you're not receiving something that is of value to you, or they're not hearing the, the parts that's of value to you, right? And then from the top-down approach too, from the boss down, there's probably expectations upon this the subordinate to live inside the values of him without uh, actually really getting to know what the value of of that that person is, right? Does that make sense? Yes. So yes. It, it's kind of projecting upon that person to become something that they can't be and the same way going backwards that, that way. So it becomes tense. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Yep. So there's a separation that happens in terms of polarity. So there's two humans in a dynamic that are separated in form, right? But it's really unconscious to them that what I would get them to do is to actually like, understand what their their values are as human beings, like where they're actually operating from, their operating systems, and then to be able to see within themselves where they actually do have those. Again, come back to Plato's theories of forms that, um, and it's unconscious to them. Does that make sense? So there's a miscommunication that's actually happening and there's not enough questions that have actually been asked. So, again, you look at the word quest ion, question, is means that there's ions on a quest, so they're separated in form again as well. So there's, there's these components that are in separation. So I would bring consciousness to those forms of separation which are unconscious, living in the person's subconscious, and bring it into consciousness by asking questions, really, to awaken perceptions. So wait a minute, wait a minute. It, it, let's. Are you really believing that uh, quest ion, tense ion? Do you really think words are actually that? Like I hear people artistically like use diseases, dis ease. I've heard that one before, and I'm like, okay, that's a nice workaround. But is it actually in the language? Very much so. You go and look at the research behind the etymology of the words. There's purpose and meaning for why they're actually being put together. Quest so, ion? I know my sister mm -hmm. studied Latin. I wonder if, uh, is this, does this go against sort of, I mean, is it really, what, what's, uh, I want to know. I guess I want the proof. <laughs> that is wild that chemistry and mm -hmm. metaphysical principles are in 
the word question. I have never heard that before. Well, now you have. So I just awakened you to something beyond your perception. So my job is done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. No, you can't leave this interview yet. Wait a second. Wait a second. Perception ion. Is there something mm -hmm. there too? Mm -hmm. um, what in the yeah. world? So you, you want to look at, in, in the essence, like, this is why I love metaphysics because it's beyond physics. So you want to look at even that word in, in like metaphysics, is um, beyond physics, which is science, right? So physics is the known, and then we have the unknown component. So you and you look at what we are predominantly made up of in nature again, which is physics, and so then it's only our unconscious component that actually gives it the metaphysical. Like I don't know. So this is what's driven me to actually go and search the, the answers for these particular things. And there's a knowing in, in that metaphysics and science are like the basis of life. And then you go even further to that, right? Like what is the basis of physics, right? We go into mathematics and then we can go into equations, etc. that are, you know, and I'm not going to go there today because it's a whole other story. But oh um, man, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, keep going. Yes, yes. So I'm with you. you. I'm start, with you. Then you then you start to notice the languaging that are in the emotions that we say, like tension. You know, like perception, question, and then we we put an emotion or a um, frequency and vibration to that word, and then it starts to make some more sense, right? Mm. Because it, yeah. Yeah, so then we can go further into the energy of the essence of our languaging, the energy of the essence of our perceptions. So what is everything actually in the universe actually made up of? Energy, isn't it? But yet that's our wording of it. So if you think about um, tension, when we think about the word tension, what kind of energy do you actually give to that? It's like a tight energy, isn't it? Mm. Mm. so when we give the word perception what, what kind of energy do you actually give to that word so okay. you know for, for me it's like pretty light yeah 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 me too i i kind of see like a kind of see like a curvature something around the eye but it's it extends beyond that it's kind of like it's shaping a formless thing but it's looking aspect of it even though it's not directly from the eye because you can perceive with other senses but it's uh yeah i don't know i, I perception it's such an interesting but it's the sound of it too it's like that purse frames something but in a circular way it's a <laughs> that's the closest thing i can come up with it without this getting into wonky land for the listeners exactly where i'm like <laughs> right. exactly so here we go is that even in the word perception even nested in that word of perception there's a hierarchy of all these other subsystems right in the essence of the energy has a meaning to it so then that goes on ad infinitum so this will really fuck with your head is <laughs> great <laughs> is that that there is an infinite number of vectors that actually come from even the essence of the energy of a word. So um, and so we could go on and on with that. Uh, but I guess what I'm coming to is is that if in the, in the research that we actually do have at the moment, like what is the smallest uh, particle or 
uh, wavelength frequency that we have that we understand in terms of energy, like is that Planck and Planck's dimension and Planck's time and Planck's, Planck's constant, right? And then this is where it becomes into the unknown part, the metaphysics, which is still giving all of the, you know, the top guys out there the work to do to be able to understand, to find, you know, the meaning of us, the meaning of the universe. What, what are we here for? Whence do we come? Where do we go? Uh, what do we do? That the, the existential questions, right? Yeah. So snake eating its tail thing again. But, you know, what really has got me uh, still on this journey is, is that nobody really knows what energy is. When you do all the research, <laughs> nobody can really tell you what energy is. It is a word, but that has no understanding within it. And I love that because it's like, yeah, there's still more stuff to do, right? Oh, and my it, gosh. Is that your goal? Are you going to find out what it is? Well, it's what actually drives me in the essence of the work that I do, you know, like in so potentially, potentially. Wow. Wow. The meta mind is uh, it's an event you're doing uh, coming up, but the meta mindset experience, but also everything you're doing is about meta mindset. And okay, let's go here then for a second. Okay. I want to know what then is because I, I just need to know in this episode what in the world do you mean when you say source code? Ah, the existential question for humanity, the, the human source code, which is the driving force of my mission and vision, which is what is that? You know, like what is that for you? What is that for every single person on this planet? What is the driving force and the driving source code for that? person individual sentient being plant what is the source code again uh, yeah whence did it come from where is it going why are we here that's what you mean mm -hmm. what is you, it what is you that? see it can you see it in people do you know instantly or do you have to take them through a uh, process have, it's i i can generally take them can't see it immediately until I become in their energy or the essence of their energy and then ask by asking questions to their perception. And also it's almost like I have to get out, uh, you know, what is it? You know, like we have it here in Australia. It's like the, the cleaning fluid and clean, clean the perceptions of their mind, clean the, the subordinations like from their being of everything that is being injected into them, upon them, of how they should be, and to find the essence of who they really are. Wow. So, uh, yeah, you are kind of like a hypnotist in a way. Um, I actually kind of think every one of my guests is really a hypnotist. Well, everyone is. But, <laughs> like, but you definitely are um, in the sense of, yeah, clearing the, uh, the, the hypnosis term would be we're clearing the subconscious blocks and then mm -hmm. we're going to open them up to the potential that they didn't even know was there. Again, I feel like you're you're coming from a different place with it, or at least you're it's it's a similar place, but it's also connected to the very force of life itself. The meaning behind you're coming from the meaning behind the word energy, which, as we clearly have learned in this episode, is undefinable and maybe more powerful than. I can even, uh, words aren't 
I'm done with words at that point. <laughs> well, so, that's, that's it. It becomes ineffable, really. And yeah. you know, I love that, that it is ineffable because it's like, wow, we've still got more to go, more to, to learn, more to, to dive into, right? What do you mean by code? Like when you say source code, are you looking at, yeah, or can you like draw there, this on a whiteboard or? Yeah, potentially is there a code in the essence of nature that gives us uh, each one of us as individuals, whether we're a human or a dog or a cat or a lion, what is the code for us to actually be part of the matrix of the universe? How do we actually fit into the now the the vector dynamics at play because in in my theory there is that we all have a, a purpose of actually being here and we're 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 parts of a bigger whole in in the multiverse right and while we're here on this planet in the existential form as humans like most of us don't even think beyond you know the space that we're in but you know you go beyond that and go beyond that and beyond that and beyond that like what is the code or the, the code that we have to play a part within that whole. What? What? Wait a minute. <laughs> so, so when you're talking about source code, you're talking about purposes. I don't know what you just did with that group of business people that you blew open all their brains, but could you look at all, each of those people and be like, ah, this is X y times 53 plus this person wants to heal others plus da, 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 da. that's their source code pin that on the wall and that's the next oh, person does yeah. it get that can you can yeah can you decode the yeah. matrix that deeply okay. with people well you know now that you've just said that you've just brought that into my awareness so potentially that like, i i will put that in place now in some form but if it, it is you know, have you ever seen that movie, The Man in Your Infinity by, you know, Ramanujan? The, I've never the actually seen it. I've never seen it. Oh, well, you best you go and check it out. Yeah. Like I, I keep coming back to that, you know, like he developed, he developed the equation for infinity, right? So um, is that an equation or a code for the source of life? And then does each, each sentient being have that uh, equation within them? I believe so, right? And then is what makes us in our diamond, diamond, I can never say this word, like dynamic way of being or our animated form create the things that we actually do, right? Like, and I, I believe in my, my current perception is that each one of us is individual and authentic with a unique source code and there's no two people on this planet that are completely the same mm. because in the laws of in the laws of nature in terms uh, is that if there is then it would have to become extinct because for everything to come into consciousness or to be in existence it needs an opposing force so you think about the opposing force it has to go on ad infinitum for the number of beings that are actually on the planet right Right. Then what that that sometimes I'm like, is she does she answer question? Do you stop the train of thought before the actual answer to just make my brain hurt? Or did you just answer it? But wait, so why does it have to explain that again? So wait, it has to stop or it has to go on infinitum in order. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess, because um which which makes 
you know, it makes me think that this source code is is like pi in a way, an irrational number. We don't know where pi ends, but there's mm-hmm. still a code behind it. I would definitely think, you know, this is the Newtonian quantum dichotomy, like the idea that you could point at things at the universe. Here's the exact formula for the way this bouncing ball is going to roll down this hill at this moment in time, deterministic universe versus the quantum. It's all potential. It's all probability. It's all this stuff. I would think. Can you say, can you say in that? That you have mechanistic and vitalistic, right? Yeah. And and so you start to notice that no matter what kind of information out of there is out there, you're going to have the opposing force. But it's mm. it's our finite mind that wants to actually make something right as it is. But when we can sit in the unknown and see both at the same time and honor that for what it is, without wanting to change it relative to what it is, right? then we start to actually awaken the truth of the all within the all. And we see that, uh, again, if you want to come back to a full, a full consciousness or super consciousness, is that um, there has to be those opposing forces or the, the polarities at play, just like you just said, Newtonian physics, and then you have the vitalism component, right? Yeah. They're not, they're not inseparable from each other. They're actually entangled. But... It's just somebody's form or theory of of their perceptions that plays a part of the biggest whole of our beautiful search into understanding of why we're here. How do we get here? So if you are writing a source code for a person, that's an amazing thing. I don't know how you write that on a whiteboard. How do you how do you write like how are you writing a formula that is simultaneously okay. deterministic and not at the same time? Uh, maybe I'm just attached to <laughs> well, co- code as coding. Is it anything like coding a computer? Is it or totally different? I, I need I need something tangible. I'm just curious. Yeah, well, I know my brain is. <laughs> you're trying to give. I know you're trying not to, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, let let let's uh, help me find so this, this, my this source code. Perfect. The perfect component we like within that, let's just simplify it, is that let's just say, let's just say that each person on this planet has actually come here with a with a source code. And that source code is to be, you like, know, to be something, to be able to be of service to, to something. Now, what that is, is really in their true authentic like selves. And without the subordinations of who they think they need to be, right? Yes. If I, if I go back to your first start, like, who, who are your parents? Like, how did you grow up here? Like, how did you become this? Is uh, if I had stayed within that realm, probably from the age of five, to start to actually look at the subordinations of how I was living my life and what I told I should do or should be, then I would most likely uh, would have been a veterinarian. And, you know, gone along those traditional constructs of be a veterinarian, get married, have two kids, have the white picket fence, da-da-da-da-da, right? Living in what I call a, uh, you know, like a projected state of living. Uh, But me being an an anomaly in some form is that going against that traditional way of thinking is led me to where I am today, is giving myself permission to live in the full authenticity of who I am in 
the deep exploration of consciousness and allowing myself to, to be and do the particular components that actually are associated with that. So then if we look at who is Greg Bornstein oh, and, boy. yeah, so who is he and his authentic source, right? Uh, yeah, how do I find that answer, you think? Yeah, so that, that is then where I come in with the questions and, like, diving deep and, like, ripping the, the clothes of subordination off you to find the essence of that that which actually gives you a full sentiment of vitality and the essence of, of a high vibrational frequency so you can live in that because I think I think that's what universe is actually asking to raise the consciousness of the people of the pleasant planet for people to come back to their, their true authenticity of who they are free of the subordinations and the belief systems of outside influences. Is it a sentence? If I work with you long enough, am I going to walk away being like, I worked with Kelly and my source code is this, da, 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 da. or is it, is it an understanding? Is it uh, something lights you on fire and you're just, I'm with source code now? Very tangibly. I know I keep going for the tangible. I know. So living in the essence of who you are, like, and giving yourself full permission. Can you cite your source right? code? Is your source code potentialities? I'm labeling. I'm trying to. I'm. Is that it? See, so we see how we come full back to the label component. I know. We the, well, I think that's just my in, in, egoic okay, mind. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, which is perfectly fine. So now you can see that we we would love to have an element of both. We require the finiteness to give meaning to who we are, and then we can actually base ourselves from that going forward. And but it's also wise to have the infinite component. They're inseparable. They're entangled. So we allow our minds to go into the deep unknown, right? And but that's yeah. where most fear lives, and that's where most people don't want to step into. But in essence of the the art of evolution, that is actually required to have those both components in there. Now, if you yeah. go throughout throughout time, you could say that you know I was labelled as a vet nurse, and then I was an entrepreneur, and and then I was a manager, I was a CEO, I, you know, was a horse trainer. I, right, know, right. Da, 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 da. So, you know, you can see the labels that have actually gone through. So if you wanted to give me a label like right now, um, where I am, I would just say like she's a multi-potentialite that is on the, on the search of consciousness, right? So the label is multi-potential or you could always lean back to polymath as well. And so that's, the source that I'm working from at this stage in my life. And as I evolve, um, then, you know, the next source will happen, the next code will come up or the next void will come up to actually fill full that. Does that wow. make sense? Wow. <laughs> yes, I think it I, I think it does. And I have to listen to this again. Yeah, that, that the tension between 10 Sion, between... Okay, let's, let's look at the, from this perspective. Right, we could say the source code is also the mission for each person on the planet. So look right. at the word mission, Miss Ion. Mm. So Miss Ion, you could say, is that the missing of the ions, which is actually the separation, which means that there's a void uh, that has been created. So when we actually uh, bring those ions back together on mission, 
then that becomes a pure potentiality. That's where we become the boson state. That's where we are like in, in light source, in the trajectory of like a high vibrational frequency. Wow. Wow. Folks, I, Kelly Stewart, she, um, <laughs> I, I think you are uh, very good at whatever you just did to me and everybody listening. <laughs> um, and we're not going to label it because why? There's so much there. You already know it. You already know it. And you host the Human Source Codex podcast, co-host it. Yes. So if you want more of this, definitely check that out. Also, are there other ways people can find you, Kelly? Absolutely. Yes. Social media. Like you can find me, just my name, Kelly Stewart, on the, the traditional socials, you know, Insta, Facebook, etc. Is having so, a website too much of a box to put you in? Uh, <laughs> I do have a website, the Human Source Codex. Uh, oh, interesting. Or H-S-C-X dot I-O. Wow. 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 Folks, I just interviewed the smartest woman alive. Oh, um, <laughs> <give me> <laughs> <laughs> see, it could, I could, I could just, uh, I'm going to label her that. Okay. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, do you, do, do, do labels extend to, uh, are you like, are you a woman? Are you a person? Are you a light? Like, like how, how labelless are you? I'm working towards I'm working towards like being the all within the all. And in inside the hermetic construct, we also have like the law of gender, the masculine and feminine principles. So uh, you know, I embody both. And you could say that I could be in my essence of expression, a female, but then also in my essence of my uh, expression to like the gender masculine as well, because I like to work along those linear components of what some people may label as masculine, you know, like uh, thinking, linear thinking, a lot of mental, you know, intellectual components, business building, you know, vocational and yeah. you know, the financial aspects too. But um, I am also feminine too, which we could say is the, the actual right brain component within us, which um, I am very family orientated, social, I love my physical components and I'm quite spiritual, as you probably figured out. So I like to look at that. In essence, you want to bring those two things together, that I'm a fully engendered human being. Fully engendered. The smartest fully engendered human being I've had on this podcast. You like that description? <laughs> uh, see, so it wasn't even about this. <laughs> it wasn't even the smartest that you were. Okay, I got it. I got it. No, look, I, I I appreciate it. I mean, you were very. No, look, uh, it was just so many different fields of knowledge. I I love it. It's uh, it, you. I did. You, I did. I did warn you that I would take you up and down rabbit holes and in and out of certain things. <laughs> you did. You did. That is what this show is about. It's about looping, and you're a master looper. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Kelly. Thank Anytime. you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. I Thank you so much, Greg. I appreciated it. Absolutely. What do you think? Can you think anymore? I'm not sure I can. 
multi-potentialities, Kelly Stewart. So difficult not to label someone, especially when you really want to figure out what's going on. But also, that's the point. She's bringing you to a point where labels don't even matter anymore because, well, is anything certain? Ah, yeah, Kelly Stewart really took me on a roller coaster. I really, I, I find her such a fascinating person and, and a lovely person. She's great. Great energy about her. And also, dare I say, cheeky energy. A little bit of cheekiness. She knows she's messing with your head. She says it to me. I'm not even sure I understand what source code is still. And I love that. I appreciate Kelly for coming on. I appreciate you for listening. Um, If you get a second and you can rate the show and leave a review, it's very helpful on Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, hey, look. I'm so glad you listened to this, and I I hope you piece your head back together because I'm still working on it. Take care. We'll talk soon.